HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Somerset County Tourism. Hear stories from local brewers and distillers from the New Jersey Sip and See Trail on episode 647 of Beer Sessions Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hola familia, um, welcome to another beautiful episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Sanchez, alongside my beautiful mother, Varela Martinez. And we are beyond excited. We have a special guest that's joining us today. And we're going to talk about a topic that uh, I think a lot of people are familiar with, but might not have a lot of surface knowledge or a deep dive into. So, of course, we're talking about Bill Esparza. Uh, amazing, man. I'm, I'm a fan of his, I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm a kind of a nerdy guy and I, and I keep up with a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Bill is a professional musician. He's a James Beard award-winning writer, a blogger, and travels extensively throughout Latin America. And he's a huge fan, obviously, of Mexico, like we all are. And we were just talking kind of off offline a little bit about the Yucatan and all their beautiful little sort of destinations. Uh, he's the author of L.A. Mexicano, uh, which lovely uh, documents a lot of the beautiful Mexican food scene in L.A., uh, and he also is the owner of a, a beautiful club called Tengo Hambre, which I always have hambre. And, and basically, it's a company that brings different groups uh, all over Mexico, Mexico City, Oaxaca, Valle de Guadalupe, Tijuana, and of course, Ensenada, to sort of open the doors uh, of the beautiful richness of Mexican culture, cuisine, food, music, all of that good stuff. And, you know, you've seen him on a bunch of different shows. So, with that being said, we're excited to have you, Bill. And we're going to be talking about horchata. So, bienvenido, un gusto. Gracias. <laughs> Muy amable. I love it. We're going to be talking more than horchata. Yeah. Bill yes. and I have been conferring, and I'm sure that we have very good ideas for aguas frescas. Yes, I was frescas and horchatas. I think, you know, I think, first of all, let's just start with some real simple base knowledge for some of our listeners that might not know a little bit about your love affair with Mexico and food. And how was that born? Was it a family trajectory? Talk to us a little bit about that, Bill. Well, you know, I'm a pocho and I grew up in Stockton, California, but my grandmother was from uh, Aguascalientes, 
And so I would say that probably that's my, in, in a certain way, that's my strongest relationship growing up with my grandmother. And so it was in her kitchen and, you know, that, that was like my, my Mexico uh, with her. And she also took me, her and my grandfather took me to Aguascalientes like in 1975 when I was a kid several times. <clears throat> and that's really when it hit me. And, and honestly, it was... I don't, even, I don't know if it was Durango or Chihuahua because my grandfather, we drove all the way from Stockton to Aguascalientes, like three days drive. And we stopped somewhere and got these carnitas in a, in a paper bag. And I had a little stack of tortillas and some salsa. And I remember just like I started, I took my first bite and I must have made like 10 tacos, you know, and I just kept eating this thing. And I fell asleep at one point and I woke up and the bag was still on my, my, my belly and I just started making more. I, to this day, I sort of always look for those carnitas because that was sort of my first like wow bite of of making. Did you like the chicharrón part or the meat part? You know, I it, I think it was just a it, there was no, there weren't any chicharrones in there that I remember because uh, I think my grand it was just like various cuts, you know, surtido, but that like just kind of awakened you know my senses you know outstanding and then so this process of traveling through mexico and and and, 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 and retracing your roots you were able to sort of fall in love and be able to say look i want to document this i want to expose other people to this beautiful country and this culture and so that's kind of how it went i would imagine no bill well i i mean there was that but then i you know i'm a music so you mentioned i'm a musician and i was on the road playing with uh, maricela a mexican pop artist and then i started how seeing play? i play saxophone oh, oh cool. <laughs> and so they say yeah they say that the saxophonists are the best kissers mom you know what i mean yes. that, that's what it's they like say that's, that's why that song i've got a bad and it ain't good <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, you know, we do better than the drummers and the bass players, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, but not not necessarily better than the trumpet players and the violinists. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> you got you got okay, me, there. mom. <laughs> that, that that's really insane. So we know who you've dated, mom. Thank okay. you. Yeah, thanks. Okay, cool. All right. Thank, yeah, here we go. Moving right along. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So then, but yeah, on sorry. tour, on on tour, I was you know seeing all the different states, and that really showed me the regional thing that I wasn't getting in back home in Stockton or my visits to Aguascalientes. I was starting to really see the differences, and so basically, I'd, I'd fly in, go to sound check, and then I'd run off and go explore the town, uh, the markets, and then I'd head back to the show, and lo- often we'd be playing uh, a, a fair. And they'd have like all the the regional foods at the fair. So I'd go around doing that. I'd wake up in the morning before the flight and hit hit the markets again and any morning spots. So I really like, honestly, everybody in the band hated me because I was like never around. I was like, where are you? Where do you go? Like, I'm I'm eating, dude. Yeah, my fault. I I don't want to, you know, wear a beret and sleep in late. You know what I mean? I'm out there doing it. You know, I love it. What kind of music did you play? I'm. I play whatever they whatever they pay me to play. So I'm a. I'm. I was a mercenary. <laughs> I love it. That's a great answer. People ask you, what do you cook? Well, depending on what people want, you know, I, I, and I'll do it up, you know. So that's a good answer. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about your first impressions. What we're going to talk about a little bit. You kind of alluded to it, 
you know, when you were away from the music scene and, and with your band, you would also kind of venture out into mercados, local restaurants. And then where does the whole love affair? We're going to talk about horchata and then we can talk about agua frescas. But in your in your personal opinion, let's define what horchata is for everybody that's listening, please. Well, horchata is well, the horchata the, the that everybody knows <clears throat> is is a base of rice. It's an agua fresca made with cooked rice and uh, uh, condensed milk. It's very sweet. And honestly, I think it's probably the, the, the biggest antidote to really spicy salsa at the, at the taco stand, you know? So it's, that's the common one, but there are, it's very regional. And, you know, there's different horchatas, like in Nayarit, they do in Sinaloa, I've had the coconut version. Uh, horchata de coco and and then there's another one that i think i i kind of love even more it's not it's not an horchata but to me it tastes like horchata agua de cebada oh yeah that's good that's yeah yeah which is trigo it's it's bar- barley, barley, barley and it's barley, barley. but barley a lot of, it, in sonora sinaloa that's where they that's what they have my mom used to make some with uh, seeds of the cantaloupe you know, she yeah, the, the melon. She, th- yes. That's another regional version. There, there are six sort of different versions. There's melon, coyol. Uh, there's one with uh, uh, jiotilla. Yeah, that, that they have in Oaxaca. Right. Yeah. Uh, Which is like a little cactus, bright red cactus. Right, exactly. And, and then and, there's... And, uh, and, and you would agree al- that... Almond. Can, yeah, almond, almond. And, and, and that really also has a lot of influences in Spain too, right? Where a lot of those influences were brought from Spain with that beverage. Um, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go it, ahead, go. It, it's, it's traced from, from, from uh, the Middle East to Spain to the, to the New World, to the, the, the indigenous groups. But I, I don't know. You know what? I always think that, like, we always, we always do that as, as Mexicans. We're always looking to Europe to say, oh, well, this came from... But we had the Aguas Frescas tradition, and today, still, people constantly evolve it because they get... Uh, maybe their region produces a fruit commercially, and so they'll start adding those fruits. So yeah, whatever well, people have... Yeah, go ahead. That's, so, that's, that's the Veracruz one, made with chayotes. Yeah. They make a, a chayote, agua fresca. Yeah. But, but I also... I would say one of the, the more... Um, sort of recognizable flavor profiles with an horchata would be canela, celion canela, right? And I would think that would be one other element that kind of interweaves itself throughout an horchata when I think about it. I think about, and I love the fact that it doesn't have cream, it, although it tastes that way. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, oh, it's and super I, creamy. And I love how it plays <laughs> games with your palate, you know? So I it's think that's really neat. Cleanser. It's a great yeah. palate cleanser. And, it and, is. Yeah, it's, I, I love it. You know, they, yeah. have, they have it in stands all over New York. And the only reason to go to the Mexican consulate is because there's this woman outside <laughs> selling horchata. And, and we buy them, you know how they put them in plastic bags? Oh, wow. And we bring, we bring them home. I love that. You know, there was a, a, a very famous um, agua fresca maker in Oaxaca named Casilda. And she was yes, in the market. Yes, she's in the forever. mercado. Yeah. And when I went to visit her, for because I did a lot of research before my Oaxaca books, when I went to visit her stand, they brought me a horchata with giotilla, de parte de Doña Castilla, Casilda. 
So it's, it's, it's a very big um, welcome drink as well. So what is that, Mommy, though? Please explain that to, our, to, our, to, our, to everybody, please. Yeah, they make kind of like a, like a jam. Jotilla uh -huh. is a little cactus. And I remember when, when I first went to Oaxaca, there was this young girl selling it in a beautifully decorated tray with alfalfa. And I said to her, is that, does that go into the agua fresca? Because, you know, in Juarez, they do make agua fresca with, with hay. And it's just, you know, it's just fantastic. And she told me very despectfully like that. She said, no, it's para decorar la canasta. You know, like you super fool. But in any case, they make, they puree it and add, add maybe some sugar. Do you think they add sugar or no? Yeah, yeah, I think they definitely add sugar, Mom. Yeah, so that, you know, that's one version that you came in, in contact with, Mom, in, in Oaxaca. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, the origins of horchata. Yes, was it brought from Spain to Mexico, has Northern African roots, we know that. Um, you know, the idea, tiger nut versus rice, what is what and I think we're alluding to a little bit of the different variations, which I think is fantastic because I think our listeners can kind of get behind all the different variations, which is very important. And um, how it's an everyday occurrence in a mercado, usually next to a taco stand. And you alluded to yeah. that earlier, right, Bill? Go ahead. I mean, yeah, if a taqueria has two agua frescas, one of them is going to be horchata. It's it's the standard, it's the, the rice version is everywhere in, in Mexico, and it's, and it's even in the regions where they have the other kinds, you know, they'll, they'll do, I, I saw a stand in Tijuana the other day that had, you know, uh, orchata, two different types of horchata, horchata regular and de, de coco, mm -hmm. and because, because people really have their, you know, Mexicans, we have our preferences, and especially if you're from a region, you're like, no, I don't want that other one, I want the one that we have at home, you know, so yeah, it's, it's the most popular flavor, I'd, I'd, I'd speculate. I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio on HRN. I recently hosted a live podcasting event with local beer and spirits makers from beautiful Somerset County, New Jersey. We spoke on the farm that is home to Flounder Brewery and Belmar Distillery, one of the most beautiful stops along the Sip and See Craft Beverage Trail. To me, those two worlds, brewery and distillery, are extremely complementing businesses, especially in a unique location like this. So it immediately helped this become a destination to have a great experience, whether it's the beer atmosphere we've got going here on the old barns or the great experience you can have in there with these incredible cocktails that are created there. It's complementary to each other. You can have two completely different experiences all within a 10-foot walk from each other. Before the event, I was able to tour the area and see the historic bridge tender's house along the serene DNR canal, walk the bike and hiking trails, and take in the lush farmland. Then we settled into the centuries-old Dutch barn turned brewery for a lively discussion. It was always important for us to create our space, our livelihood that we want to share with everybody else of being a community-centric location. It is what makes us a brewery in this state different from a barn or restaurant. Um, you know, we're obviously family-friendly here. Um, we have a lot of different groups that have their meetings here during the week. We just really want to become a community hub. You can listen to this episode of Beer Sessions Radio, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Somerset County Tourism for supporting this episode. 
Learn more about the Sip and See Passport Program at visitsomersetnj.org. That's visit S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T-N-J dot org. You know that in the in Mexican lunch, which is usually around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, what they give you to drink is an agua fresca. And it could be made with orange, you know, naranjada or with lime. You know, really simple watermelon, something that doesn't have flavors that, that, that and they have this tradition in Oaxaca. It's beautiful on Holy Thursday, which is the day that Jesus supposedly stopped at the well to feed, to give water to a poor guy standing there. And so now on that day, all over Oaxaca, the women set up stands giving out different kinds of aguas frescas to anybody who comes up as the symbol of that. It's a beautiful Beautiful holiday. Yeah, like a very nice traditions. And you're right. I mean, as we transition to, I think it's important to mention that horchata is an agua fresca, right? A, a version of one. So when you, when you know, for everyone that supports us on Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network, I had to throw that out there. Again, to remind everybody, we're here with the ever genius and super talented Bill Esparza. And we're talking about Orchata as sort of a, 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 not a unique, but more of a, um, a novelty style of orchata that people have seen, but I feel is is not understood. So that's kind of what we're doing here to be able to kind of give some, some context to that. And then we can kind of talk a little bit about the agua fresca sort of, you know, uh, position in mercados and all of that. So in essence, agua frescas, let's talk about that. Okay. Well, I'll just say something that, uh, that now people are starting to can our fresca instead of sodas. And it's becoming commercialized. And it's great because it doesn't have as much sugar and as, uh, as normal soft drinks. So they're everything. You can make them with watermelon, melon, what else? I mean, just any fruit, strawberries, even though they don't work so much because you get that little black thing. But capulín, just about any little, any flavor that you like. And also, Bill, you would agree that it's a great place if you have any large format fruit, right? Large format fruit to to, to sort of, you know, if it's overripening or it's, you know what I mean, and you don't want anything to wait, it's a beautiful place to put it, is in an agua fresca, no? Yeah, it, you're right. It's, it is totally about colors. And, and when you're... You, you were mentioning the mercado. So you, you have the aguas frescas that are, that are at taco stands. And those are sometimes they just go with the, the big flavors that are popular or charta jamaica. Or they might have a regional um, version of something. Um, and then in the markets, that's where you see people will have like 12 or 20 different aguas frescas, right? <clears throat> Some of the standards... Like like uh, Zarella was mentioning, watermelon and, and orange and, and uh, lime, Jamaica, you yeah. know. But they also you also see the regional flavors come out. Like pit, pit, maybe you're in a part of Mexico where they have pitaya yeah, fruit, pitaya. Oh. dragon fruit, yeah, dragon right. fruit, which is beautiful. Yeah, you know what's I really see. interesting in in LA, the aguas frescas vendors they're from Puebla and uh, Estado de Mexico, but the market across the street has maracuya that's coming in from Central America. Oh, yeah. So everybody has 
agua fresca de maracuya, which you don't see a lot in Mexico, but it's all over Los Angeles because it's whatever fruit is seasonal, whatever's good and uh, and fresh. But not apple. No, well, you can't do one with apple. I, that, there, there was a couple <laughs> no-nos. I mean, maybe maybe like stone fruit would be very suspect. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if I want an apricot agua fresca, oh, perhaps. No, or, you know what I mean? Or Who prunes, knows? Or prunes. Or prunes. Yeah, yeah. We don't want- so maybe. Well, but you know what? Your stomach situation. Yeah. But Sarela's, Sarela's not wrong. There's actually one. So, so I did a little funny, a fun thing on on Instagram because I had a nice list, but I wanted to hear from people like in their small towns, like maybe they know something that I hadn't heard of, and there was plenty. And one was actually from Aguascalientes, where where my family's from. Someone told me that there's an agua fresca de Cuaresma that also has chopped apples and other fruit, kind of similar to like ensalada which is a, a fresco in El Salvador um, and, and, and Guatemala. Or the so, gazpacho that they make there. Yeah, the, exactly. So they do, but it's not, it wasn't apple. It wasn't juiced apple. It was just chopped apple in the mix. So there's one, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I want an apple agua fresca. <laughs> no, mom, I think it's important to mention just really quickly before you go to your point that agua frescas are not necessarily savory, Right. And right. I think it's important to make that that distinction that you won't get like you know a, a tomato. So you, yeah, exactly. Go ahead, mom. Alfalfa is the the one exception, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The alfalfa one, yeah. But, well, and know, that I, one fascinates me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my sister lives in Aguascalientes, in oh, Calvillo, wow. Aguascalientes, and I asked her what her favorite horchata was recipe was. And she said, well, I actually stole it from Aaron. It's in one of his books. <laughs> and, and she made it for me here. And so your, your agua good? fresca is very famous and calvillo caliente. It's, it's legit. Well, no, I, I, I made one. I remember I made one with can't, uh, no honeydew and pepino. And I made one with, yeah, I forgot. And then I also made my, my own, my other horchata, but... I remember making an agua fresca with those two combinations, and I love the sweetness of of of, of the of the honeydew, and then with with the pepino. And I remember that one being a really good one because they have high water content, right? You actually found a sweet honeydew. Yes, I found a sweet honeydew. That's a good name for a song, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, bro. sweet honeydew. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good little that, riff. That, that's, <laughs> That's also a cute name to use you know, for for couples, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my sweet um, honeydew. But uh, and I remember taking the horchata in Paladar, my first restaurant in New York, and I and I put uh, rum with it, Bacardi rum, and I called it the bachata. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like an ode to Bacardi, nice. yeah, and horchata. So it was a bachata, a little bit of bachata with it. So you know, it's you've always been that. so great at naming things. <laughs> Thanks, <mom. laughs> Thank you, mom. I tried my best. So, um, you know, when you're talking about, you know, what is, you know, we're talking about the different kinds of agua frescas, and that's something that's really huge. But, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, the, the I'm looking at this little note uh, of the, <laughs> there's one called the Wandering Jew and the Wandering Man. And this is a drink. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's really neat. And I know you have it, Bill, and some of your notes, and I want to talk about that. Uh, yes, that's that's in Veracruz, and and that's called Matlali. 
McClellan. Yep. And the, you know, today we're using the name Wandering Man mm-hmm. <laughs> because the other one is. You know, it's not PC. It's all good. It's all good. The yeah, matla li, um, it's a plant that, uh, you know, that's again, it's just the creativity of, of in Mexico of using different plants for aguas frescas and, and you know, using different types. Your mom was mentioned jiotia, but there's also other cactus fruit. Uh, throughout Mexico, there's tuna, of course, but then there's all the there's these um, little cactus fruit that they use in in Oaxaca that are called. Um, there's not pitaya. Uh, ga, gar, garambullo. Oh, I don't know. Gar, garambullo garambullo is garambora. These, no, garambullo, and it's a small fruit on a on a cactus, and that one is really wonderful. But you only find it in certain parts of Oaxaca. Um, is Zapote. That the, uh, the Zapote Negro. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but, and then you know, yeah. But it Go kind of goes, it goes, and I'm sorry, Bill, but it also kind of goes in line with other froth beverages, right? Like Bupu uh, yeah. and, and Tlaxcalate and all that kind of stuff. Like, let's talk a little bit about that, that variation on that. I would love for our listeners to understand. And right. myself, I want to be educated as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, so you're, yeah, we're talking about the foam foam drinks I know, that, that are made with chocolate. It kind of makes up for a whole program, you know. I've been studying that subject a lot. I mean, I know that I brought it up and I regret yes. it, but since we already touched on it, they use different, like the Tascalate, for instance, it has achote and has chocolate and has corn or rice, and then it has, uh, and it's the most wonderful, refreshing, you know, Earthy flavors you can imagine. I mean, you could just drink the whole, the whole, you know, pitcher full because it's just wonderful. And then they use one in something called bupu, which which they beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it. It's with an orchid called yachachi, and that that becomes when you beat it, beat it, beat it, it becomes completely foamed, and that's why the Mexicans took to beer immediately because of the foam. Yeah, that that's a that's a great connection. Um, and, you, and your exposure to that, Bill? Did you, did have, have you tasted the bupu and and the tlascalate and all that good stuff? Tlascalate, no, I haven't. And 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 you know, and and so everybody understands these aren't aguas frescas, but these yeah. are the, the these are another category of beverages that are that are very close. Yeah. Um, but the uh, one that I I I come by a lot in in actually in Los Angeles is Pozontle. Yep. Oh yeah, well, it's, and, it's, I think it's the same, except just white. Yeah, it's it's right. Well, Pozontle is really for the, from the Sierra Juarez of Oaxaca, the the Sierra Norte, and there's a lot of people that I know from so- Sococho and 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 those parts of the Sierra Norte that make it. And I actually went to a, an event the other night, and they were that was the the Bienvenida. As soon as you walked in, they were uh, beating the the Pozontle. Wow, the, the, the Mexican cool. whisk and and the the uh, with, with rice, yeah, and of course, absolutely refreshing, delicious, you know. The the, the is beautiful painted gourds. Yes, in yeah, a gourd, yeah, and hikara. Yeah, and, and do they and, and then so speaking, and, and to to agitate it or to get the foam uh, uh, reaction, 
are they using molinillos? They're using hands. Yeah, using, using the molinillos. Just so people yeah. can understand. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, this yeah. was like, you know, it was like a gala event. And then they were doing, you know, rubbing the, the molinillo back and forth and getting getting the foam going for you to order as you walked in, you know. <laughs> what was the event? It, it was a fundraiser for a an indigenous rights organization called uh, uh, Cielo here in Los, Ange- Los Angeles. And they raise funds to help um, uh, indigenous people during the pandemic. They're, they're court interpreters uh, in, uh, for indigenous speaking people in indigenous languages. And and they are also getting uh, indigenous people vaccinated. Wonderful. And then can we put a link uh, to Cielo's uh, foundation and their information on the site? And yes. Then perhaps on mine. And we'll make a note of that. Um, yeah, and, and then an that way we could continue to support because that sounds fantastic. That's exactly in line with what Cooking in Mexican from A to Z is all about. Uh, is it, celebrating the story, celebrating the people, most importantly, and bringing ingredients to life uh, through having fantastic guests like yourself, Bill, and other experts. And, and I just think like, like you know, Lori that's Flores, amazing. who's going to be on next. Yeah, yeah, Lori Flores, and she. And she says that it's all going to be about the labor in the Northeast. And what's happened is that they have brought their dishes to the Northeast. You know, a, a lot of the beverages and a lot of the dishes that have become standards now. So, uh, so um, Bill, let's let's find out how people can engage with you. What a... Um, where can people reach out to you on social media, on your website, and continue this conversation? Because what we love to do on, on on our podcast is be able to continue the conversation. We we have initiated it, but the con- the conversation never really ends, right? So right, no, you know, it, so, it never it it never ends. So uh, yeah, they can. I, I'm Street Gourmet LA on Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok, but. Instagram is the best way where you, you'll find out what I'm doing. Um, I'm also on the new uh, Netflix Street Food USA, the LA episode. Wonderful. And, uh, so, I, you know, and talk to us I'd a little bit about people the, to watch. Yeah, of course. And then we'll make some postings on all of that because this is about you, you know, shamelessly plugging and also yeah. ourselves shamelessly plugging ourselves. Right, exactly. My mom always told us you have to make sure you get out there. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the Taco Festival, uh, what you're doing and what you're involved with. Yeah. So I have a Taco Festival called Taqueando, and it, it started in 2019, um, and, it, and it, we haven't done it since the pandemic, but we're looking to do it again in 2023. It's just been kind of waiting out, you know, because every year it's something else with this thing. But uh, that's still going on, and of course, uh, LA Mexicano is still – uh, quite a relevant book because no one's really written a book about specifically Mexican cuisines and regional uh, Mexican cuisines that are, exist in Los Angeles. I so what book. do you think is the best? What, uh, which one? Uh, uh, best region or? The best restaurants. <laughs> oh, LA. the best restaurants? Well, you know, what, what, what makes L.A. different than any part of Mexico is we have more regional uh, varieties of more states represented like in Mexico City you're not going to find as many you're going to find Pueblan food and and Estado de Mexico and local and and right a little bit but you're not going to find Sonoran and 
and uh, Coahuila food or, or Colima, but Los Angeles has all of that. Now, obviously, it's not in in, a, in any given style of food. It's not as good as you're going to find in Mexico for the most part. But we have some vendors that honestly are just as good as you'll you'll find in Mexico. There's a woman. Uh, she's got a comedor. It's called Comedor Tenchita, and she's from Tlacolula. She's 76 years old. She cooks in her backyard. And that restaurant, I will put that restaurant against anything I've ever had at a at a, at a comedor in in Oaxaca. She's I love it. Amazing, amazing. So it. sometimes it's as good as Mexico. <laughs> Do they have tepache there, either made with pineapple oh, yes. or with yes. or the corn? What do they prefer there? Well, they they do. Uh, they do with pineapple, but they, there's actually at Comedor Tenchita, there's a, a young Zapoteco who's doing different flavored tepaches, and he's adding alcohol with them and, and doing doing mixed cocktails with mezcal and tepaches and he, uh, Jamaica tepache. He's using different flavors. And, you know, L.A. is known, L.A. is part of what's called Oaxaca, California, because we have the second largest Oaxacan uh, population on the planet. And in some cases, we have more people from a pueblo in in L.A. than than back in Oaxaca because everyone's come here to 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 work. So we have a lot of, you know, even I can find backyard backyards that do barbacoa mixteca, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, you know. Well, Bill, um, we can continue to, to chat and I'm, we're going to have you back on for sure, because I think we can do a whole Oaxaca episode with you. And also do a deep dive in Mexican uh, taquerias in L.A. So I think that's going to be where we're going to have to have you back because, I mean, you are absolute treasure trove of information. And we're really grateful for your, uh, your, your time with us and sharing all your beautiful knowledge. And everyone's going to find out how to continue this conversation, which we like to say. And so we're very grateful, Bill Esparza, for being here and taking the time with us, uh, with my mom, Sarela, myself, Aaron. And we just want everyone to know that we're going to post up all the handles, right, uh, to continue to engage uh, with Bill. And we want to thank all of you guys for listening. And, of course, you can listen to all of our episodes of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z at heritageradionetwork.org. And uh, where you can get all your different pilots of podcasts. So we thank you very much for that. Muchísimas gracias, Bill. Any thank other you. thoughts, Bill? Well, yeah. my thought is it's an honor to be with Two legends and nothing but love and respect of, uh, for both of you. It's uh, amazing. Thank you, Bill. Cooking in Mexican from A to Z is powered by Simple Cast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at Heritage Radio Network. Dot org slash subscribe. Una más en mis entrañas.